Uh, so good morning, everybody. So uh, if you don't know me, my name is Megan Templeton. I'm a consulting attorney here at Royal Legal. I've been doing so for a couple years now. Um, and this is our Royal Investing 101 show. So during this show, the goal is to bring you not only informational, educational pieces, but also some guest speakers that are going to really be able to help you as you build your business and ping some networking opportunities for you as well. So we've got a really exciting guest today. I want to make sure we leave a lot of time to that. If you found someone you want to connect with, you guys didn't get a chance to share networking information with, like I said, feel free to use the chat, you can drop it in there. Um, so as I said, we've got Paige Fanzarella with us today. I was just chatting with her a little bit in our breakout group. It's always great to connect with her. And I know you guys are going to enjoy hearing from her today. So I'm going to hand off the floor. Paige, thanks for joining us. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you've got for us. Absolutely, Megan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. Um, I And I appreciate the positive feedback from the first time. So if you weren't able to join us the first time, um, please go back to the library. I know that Royal Legal has an amazing amazing vault of, of information um, and recorded videos, you know, that we've done. And, and so if you haven't seen it, um, I strongly urge you to go back and see it because I'm not going to cover a lot of the same material. All right. Um, and again, Megan, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, if you have questions, please make sure I'm like Megan said, I'm happy to answer them at the end. Um, or you can drop them in the chat and we'll refer back to them. Of course, I want to get all your questions answered. I don't want uh, you to forget, uh, you know, to, to ask whatever burning question is on your mind. Um, as Megan said, I am Paige Panzarello. I am the cash flow chick. And I've been a real estate investor for over 20, well, about 25 years. Uh, I've been a note investor since late 2013 is when I kind of started uh, looking into notes and became a full-time active note investor um, probably tw late 2014 is when I bought my, fir my first note. Um, so... A little bit about me. Uh, uh, some of you know my backstory. I just want to touch on it. I don't want to take a ton of time, um, but I did not choose real estate. Real estate actually chose me. Uh, I was thrown into the deep end of the pool. My grandmother passed away and had a huge estate uh, that was $4 million in debt. We had properties in California and also in Arizona. The Arizona properties became under my purview. Um, now, I was in my mid-20s when all of this happened. And off I went to Arizona knowing absolutely nothing about real estate or real estate investing. Nothing at all. Um, but I was bold and eager and fearless and I had nothing to lose. So I decided uh, to, to, to give it a go and try and make this venture profitable, okay? Uh, we had 38 townhome units, only 40% of which was occupied. We had some land and we had a sewer treatment plant. Long story short, I and fast forwarding, um, before I knew what fixing and flipping was um, or fixing and holding, you know, that's basically what I did with these broken units uh, that were, we had 60% that were broken or un, uninhabitable. And so I fixed them up with the help of uh, a lot of contractors and people around me. Um, and within 18 months, we were 100% occupied. And I realized that because we were in a fairly boutique market, I wasn't going to be able um, to sustain profitability. So we liquidated everything. Um, we decided, I decided to sell the townhome units individually. We sold the sewer treatment plant and I used that money to leverage building on the land. Okay. Now, again, I knew nothing about 
new construction, right? So I hired a contractor and I realized very quickly he was going to bankrupt me before I even came out of the ground. And so I fired him and I started my own construction company. Within three years, um, uh, we had I was the largest private employer in that county in Arizona. Um, we were, I was making money hand over fist. I was, but the thing is, is that I was in Arizona away from my friends and family and I was working seven days a week, 18 hours a day. So yes, the money was great, but it was really putting me in an early grave. Um, I, I, the stress level was unimaginable. Um, I was running payroll, everybody at $25,000 a week per project. And I had five big projects growing, going at the same time. So you can imagine, what that bill looks like. Now, in big construction, you foot the bill for 90 to 120 days because most big construction projects don't use cash. They use a lender, a bank, right? And as such, when you submit your bill, it takes the bank some time to approve it. There are inspections, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it takes 90 to 120 days before you get paid in big construction. When the crash happened in 2007, I thought to myself, now remember, I was fairly young at that point. Um, I thought to myself, well, Paige, you're, you're not that encumbered. You have a lot of assets, right? Um, and so this crash, even though I saw it coming, I thought to myself, this is not going to happen to me. And I was wrong. The crash happened right on top of my head. Um, everybody that owed me money couldn't pay me. That was the problem. It wasn't so much my assets and my lenders, but everybody that owed me money couldn't pay me. So I had a decision to make. I could, I could choose to file for bankruptcy like many people did. Um, that was my legal right. I chose not to go that route. Instead, I liquidated everything that I owned at pennies, literally pennies on the dollar. Um, so I could pay the people the, that I owed money to, I could pay them. Um, at the end of the day, it took me about three years, but I walked out of Arizona with absolutely nothing and I had lost $20 million. Now, I tell you that story because I, I actually, you'll hear me say I count that as a blessing and that sounds ludicrous, right? I mean, $20 million is nothing. It's not chump change. However, I learned from it, everybody. I realized who I am as an investor. I realized how I treat money, right? It taught me how I treat money. It taught me how I treat my, my investors. Um, it taught me my risk tolerances and what I was able to, you know, what I at that point tolerated and where I'm going to go from there, right? So, I walked away from, from real estate for a little while. I had to lick my wounds. I had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was away for a little while. And then I decided to come back um, because I am passionate about it. I'm good at it. And I thought, I'm going to do it differently, though. I'm going to be smarter about it. I'm not just going to kind of throw caution to the wind because now at this point, I'm very risk averse. Where I first started, I was very bold. I, I could tolerate a ton of risk. I had nothing to lose, right? So when I came back into real estate, I did what most people do. You know, you start wholesaling, bird dogging, fixing and flipping. And all the while I had heard about this thing called notes, right? And I thought, huh, what is that? And the more I learned, 
the more the angel sang for me. Um, it checked all of the boxes for me. And I think that if you go down the path of learning and educating yourself about notes, you will realize why angels sang for me, right? Um, they might start singing for you. So what is a note? Um, that I am going to cover. A note is basically just a debt instrument. It's a promise to pay. There are many different kinds of notes that you can invest in. Um, I focus on first position because I like to be paid first. So first position, um, non-performing notes, which means the borrower has stopped paying. I'll get to that in a moment. Non-performing notes secured by real estate. Now, 85% of my focus in my portfolio is residential real estate, okay? Um, I have ventured more into commercial. You can acquire notes and become the bank. When you buy a note, you literally step into the shoes of the bank that put the loan in place, okay? So call me Mrs. Chase, right? I become the bank and you become the bank, all right? Now, you do not need special licensing for this. Um, there are a handful of states that you do need to be what's called a registered debt buyer. It's only a handful. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but just so you know, you don't need, like when you're a mortgage originator, you need special licensing, right? If you sell insurance, you need special licensing. To be a note investor, you don't need special licensing, okay? You just need education and due diligence. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right, so let me let me share my screen. Hi, Leah, I see you. I'm looking forward to having you at the workshop. It's going to be very exciting. Um, okay, let me see here. Share screen. There we go. All right, everybody should be able to see my screen. Yes, if you could give me a yes in the chat, that would be great. And let me get my thank you, Leah. I appreciate that. All right. I have to pull my chat back up. When I shared screen, it went away. All right. All right. So, like I said, we're going to talk today about doing due diligence. All right. And, and I want you to know, everybody, due diligence is not just for notes. Um, we are going to focus on note due diligence today, but a lot of my students have told me that what they learn from me carries through to their other types of investment, right? So the things that you wouldn't think about in terms of your due diligence. Now, note investing, I will tell you, is very what I call front end loaded. That means that you're going to do the bulk of your due diligence and time is going to be spent before you buy the note. And then once you buy the note, you pass it off to your team and they handle all of the day-to-day -day operations. So this is actually something for those of you that have a full-time job, this is actually something that might fit very well into your wheelhouse because again, you're gonna spend the bulk of your time doing due diligence and you don't have to be at a specific location to do that, okay? We're gonna talk about that in a few minutes. So again, you must do the do to build your wealth destiny, all right? Of course, we're talking about due diligence. All right, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I do want to tell you about some market trends that have happened and the opportunities that you're going to find in notes investing, okay? Especially now. 
this is one of those kind of 2008 rare occasions that comes up where if you're positioned well, you can capitalize exponentially on the opportunities. And COVID has brought us these types of opportunities. And I hate to say that because people are hurting everybody. You're, they're, they're hurting. They've, they've, but life happens regardless of COVID. There's always going to be opportunity in notes because life happens every day. There's always death, divorce, downsizing, medical conditions, and people can't afford their mortgage, especially if you've been watching what's been happening now, right? There have been frenzies and markets that have just exploded all across this country and people are really overpaying for their properties, right? So if any little thing happens and their mortgage to the hilt, if any little thing happens, and, and this has, right, that present opportunity for us note investors. Now, I like to take my notes and try and work with people. I don't want the property, but I'm going to show you in a few minutes how you can actually use notes. If you're looking to acquire property, you can use notes to do that, okay? So, let's talk about some of the numbers, all right. Now, again, I told you I focus on first position, non-performing notes where the borrower has stopped paying, um, non-performing notes secured by mostly residential real estate. And that's the numbers we're gonna, I'm going to show you right here. And this is only first position. This is not second position. This is not HELOCs. Um, this is not commercial, agricultural, land, none of that. These are just residential, single family, one to four, first position, Okay. So originally back in 2019, pre-COVID, we had, we had $57.46 billion of debt on the books. At the end of De December 2020, that number jumped to $75.53 billion. That's a difference of $18 billion. That is unheard of, right? That is an opportunity for all of us. And the numbers didn't really change that much in 2021, all right? And in 2022, we're having huge increases. I'm going to show you in a moment. That's almost a 24% increase in less than a year, everybody, all right? So now let's fast forward to the end of Q4 2021. Let's look what happened. We only had 62 billion only, right? 62 billion and change of bad debt on the books. However, the reason for that is because we were, all the banks, if you heard a bit the news, they were putting people into what they call forbearance agreements, which is in essence, taking the amount of bad debt and lumping it on the end, or sometimes in a shorter period of time, right? Six months to a year. Um, so they'll lump it on the end, and but the borrower is still responsible to pay that. That's in essence, kicking the can down the road, right? Because the borrower still can't afford it. They just delayed the pain, right? Now, there were also moratoriums in place in terms of foreclosure, and those were lifted at the end of September. All of them were lifted at the end of September 2021. Now, here's what happened, okay? The minute that those moratoriums were lifted, we had 65% in Michigan in an increase in foreclosure filings, right? 27% in Florida, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there is a, there's a huge hedge fund out there called Oak Tree Capital. And Oak Tree Capital is run by a gentleman named Howard Marks. 
Oak Tree Capital pre-COVID had assets under management of over $19 billion. Oak Tree set up a brand new hedge fund. They looked to raise, and they did very quickly, by the way, they looked to raise um, 16 billion, 15 or $16 billion, right? Their minimum investment for their investors was 10 million. And they raised all of those funds. That fund was set up specifically to buy nothing but notes. Now, are they stupid? Or is there something that they know that we don't, right? I don't think Oak Tree Capital is stupid. So, Pay attention to the opportunities that are available to you, all right? Now, you will hear me if you decide to take the workshop and, and join us. It's right around the corner, literally, right around the corner. I'll talk about that at the end. There's, you're going to hear me talk about what is your what. And what I mean by that is not because we all have our why, right? That's a very personal thing, why we're investing in real estate or investing period, not necessarily in real estate, right? But what is your what? And what I mean by that is what do you need right now? Do you need chunks of cash? Do you need streams of monthly cash flow? Do you need depreciating assets? Do you need just straight income? Do you want to take a vacation, um, a really expensive vacation once a year? Do you want to buy a bigger house? Do you need college money for kids? What do you need do you need retirement, right? What do you need here and now to get you to where you want to be, right? So that's what your what is. It also encompasses what is your risk tolerance, okay? Because that's a very important piece. If you are risk averse like me, you want safer investments. Now, and, and, and for me, everybody, kind of slow and steady wins the race, all right, you'll see some examples a little bit later on today or a little bit later on in my presentation. But understand, if you know what your what is that's, and you do good due diligence behind it, that's going to give you very satisfying investments and you are going to have control over your invested dollars. So knowing what your what is is key. All right. You will control, especially in, in notes investing, you will control the purchase sale and the sale price, right? The sale exit price. You will control the length of time that you have your money invested. Are you a short-term player or a long-term player? You can create chunks of cash or streams of monthly cash flow or both. It will determine the exit strategies that you use. In other words, if you are looking for property, then you're going to stick to some specific exit strategies. Even though we have 23 in note investing, everybody, there's no other medium in real estate investing that you have 23 ways to secure your money and be profitable. 23. And there's actually a little more, right? But knowing what your what is, is going to determine what exit strategies you use, right? It also helps you with risk mitigation, okay? One of the things I love about note investing is that it is not location specific. When I was in construction in Arizona, I was in Arizona. I was away from my family and my friends. Okay. Note investing, you can literally do this business anywhere in the world as long as you have a computer and a, cell, and a cell phone. All right. So we're not location specific. Set your guidelines and stick to them. Okay. 
Now, I promised you that I would talk about using notes as a way to acquire property deals. There are four main exit strategies that we use in note investing, four main ones, right? Um, some of you may or may not be familiar, and I don't have a ton of time to go into this. I do at the workshop, um, but you may be accustomed to or a familiar with a process called deed in lieu of foreclosure. And what that means is that as the bank, you can work with your borrower to have them agree to give you the deed to their property as payment in full for your note. Now, the reason that I buy non-performing notes where the borrower has stopped paying is because I mitigate my risk by getting a much bigger discount on the note, okay? I don't buy the note based on how much is owed. I buy the note based on a discounted rate. Let's use 50%. My sweet spot right now is generally about 55 to 62 cents on the dollar. Okay, based on the current market value of the securing collateral, which is the house. So the borrower might owe me $120,000, but the house is only worth $80,000, and I'm going to buy that note at fifty or excuse me, $40,000 at 50%, okay, because we're going to use easy math. So that note that I'm owed $120,000, I'm going to buy for $40,000. That leaves a huge cushion to work with that borrower, right? And that borrower knows that they're underwater. The house is only worth 80,000. They owe you 120. They might be willing to give you a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Now you take control of that property. You can do anything you want with it. Now there are some pitfalls to that. Again, due diligence is key. I don't have time to talk about that. Um, I am going to talk about it in, in just a few minutes uh, in terms of some of the pitfalls, but not all of them, okay? But that deed in lieu of foreclosure, that's an easy backdoor way with no competition, everybody, because you are the bank working with your borrower. Nobody's going to step in and say and, and go over asking, right? If you've, if you've been trying to buy property in the last year, I bet you you've been outbid by people that are willing to pay over well over asking. When you step in as a note investor, it's just you and the and the borrower, right? So there's deed in lieu of foreclosure. That's one of the exit strategies you can use. There are actually several, but I'm only going to discuss two right now. The other one is foreclosure, right? You could take that property to foreclosure. Now, if you want the property, you as the bank have the right to set that opening bid because you determine the opening bid as the bank. You only get one bid and it's the first one, okay? If you're owed 120,000, you have every legal right to set the opening bid as high as the full amount of money that you are owed. So you, even though the property is only worth 80,000, you can set the opening bid at 120 and all but guarantee that you are gonna get that property even though you've only paid $40,000 for the note, okay? I hope you're tracking with me. So the, the potential here is limitless. Now I will say this, please, if, you, if your intention is to acquire the property, please choose notes 
that have been vacated, the houses have been vacated by the borrower. The reason that I say that is because it is not fun kicking people out of their homes. All right. And there's still plenty of opportunity on vacant properties if you want the property, whether that's for buy and hold, short term rental, vacation rentals, um, whatever you want to do with it, you can use note investing to acquire these property deals. Okay. But again, as a, as a person with a heart, I hope you target properties that are vacant instead of having to kick people out because it really is not fun. We do it because we're a business, but it's not fun, okay? All right, so again, huge discount. I just gave you those examples. Again, I did the numbers in the first time I was here. So go back and look at that video if you haven't seen it. Um, and, there's, and, and when you are working as the bank, because again, remember you are the bank, as you are working as the bank, you are in control of all of this. And there is no competition because you're the bank. You already own the debt and the debt is secured by the property, okay? And being in first position, you control that transaction, okay? Okay, so how important is due diligence? Due diligence will maximize your profit and minimize your risk. Please, please, please do good due diligence, no matter what you're investing in, okay, or who you're investing with. Do your due diligence on that person, okay? I like to say in the note space that there's no such thing as a bad note, but there is such a thing as buying a note badly. The biggest, biggest piece of your due diligence is your education. Don't just go at this willy-nilly in any of your investments. That is just Russian roulette, you know, with closing your eyes and, and, and praying that you, that you are successful. Don't do it. Your biggest piece is your education. And I'm not saying run out and spend $50,000 on a guru. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, there's plenty of free information out there. There's plenty of videos out there. And then there are, there are fairly low cost um, alternatives to you, okay? So, Due diligence, good due diligence. So I'm going to talk today about some of the things that we have in terms of identity, identifying your criteria. These are some of my criteria. And everybody is different. Remember, we all have our what. We all have our what is our what, right? So I'm going to share some of mine. All right. Again, you heard me say I don't buy my notes based on what the what the borrower owes me i buy my notes based on the securing collateral at a discount so property valuation is really important okay you need to to not only do your own desktop i don't get on a plane everybody and fly to all these properties no no i do my own desktop analysis and then i have boots on the ground and i teach you how to do this I have boots on the ground that will give you for free the, the local property information, right? The local experts will do this for you. So property valuation is very important because it's the basis for your discounted purchase price. Do not base your purchase price necessarily on the UPB. UPB stands for unpaid 
principal balance. Okay. Don't a lot of note investors do that. And there are some situations where it's that's appropriate, but for the most part, not when the house is underwater, meaning not when the borrower owes you more than the house is worth. That's a big mistake that a lot of note investors make. So be careful. All right. You also want to verify that a structure is present on the lot. Be careful because a lot of in, and a lot of note investors, and I've actually had this happen to people that I know, they will do Google Earth searches and not send somebody out to the property. All right. Now we do Google Earth searches as just kind of a cursory glance. But we always, always have either a, a, a realtor, a, a fellow investor, a friend, a family member, somebody go and verify that a structure is present on the lot. Here's an example. I've had literally had note investors that have just relied on Google Earth. They bought the note, which is the securing collateral. You know, the house is the securing collateral for their invested dollars. And the house had been leveled by a tornado. Oops, that's a pretty big oops, right? So for example, Google Earth, here's a screenshot in May, and then again in August, that very same thing happened, right? So be careful, know what due diligence steps to take. That also translates, by the way, if you're a tax lien or a tax deed investor. Be careful, make sure that there's a presence, a structure is present on the lot. You want to verify the amount of delinquent property taxes that are owed and if and when there's going to be a tax sale. When people stop paying their mortgages, very likely they also have stopped paying their property taxes. Now, in, in that situation, as the first position note holder, meaning the first position bank, the only thing that can wipe out my mortgage is a tax deed sale. Now, a tax lien sale potentially can wipe out my mortgage. It's going to take some time to do that, right? But a tax deed sale is just that. The, the deed is actually sold to pay the taxes, and that will wipe out your mortgage. So you need to verify the amount of delinquent taxes that are owed. Knowledge is power, everybody, right? If when you, and you don't just rely on the internet, you call. This is something we really hammer at the workshop, but if the property taxes show or you are you call and you hear there are no, there's no balance, there's no taxes due, that they're all current, you want to ask if there has been a tax deed sale or a tax lien sale, because that will not show, you know, if there has been, then that tax deed sale, the property is already gone, your mortgage has already been wiped out there's a tax lien sale, that tax lien holder certificate holder could foreclose on their lien and then take the property away from you. So you need to ask if that property taxes are zero, you need to ask, has there been a tax lien or debt tax deed sale? And you also want to know who paid the property taxes. Was it your borrower or was it the bank? Right? Again, I don't have time to really go down that rabbit hole. I just want to give you some bullet points of some things to look for. You want to verify any liens or judgments or junior lien holders. And the reason for that, I talked to you a little while ago about a deed in lieu of foreclosure. If you accept the deed as payment in full for your loan, 
from the borrower, your loan now goes away. If you have not verified if there's a junior lien behind you, meaning a second mortgage, a HELOC, or even a judgment, right, that, that might be against the borrower and attaching to the house, if you haven't verified those things and you accept that deed in lieu of foreclosure and you haven't verified, now these people, your loan goes away. These people now move up and you are responsible as the house, the homeowner, for those liens. So make sure that you're verifying any junior lien holders behind you, right? You want to verify the type of the asset, right? The bank will tell you that it's a single family house when it actually is a, a, a mobile home, right? Or they'll tell you it's a mobile home and it, it's a condo. So sometimes the banks get it wrong. You want to make sure that you are verifying the type of asset. Now, for me, I don't buy assets. I don't buy notes on mobile homes or condos. That's because my what says, I don't like homeowners associations. I don't like to deal with them, right? I also don't, it's, I want to be able to sell my asset, that house, if in fact I have to take possession of it and it's harder to sell a mobile home. Your borrowers don't really qualify for financing all the time, right? So for me, I try and avoid condos and, and mobile homes. I also don't care for land. There are plenty of note investors that are very successful on all three of those scenarios. It's not me though, right? So who are you? Again, banks get it wrong. So trust, but verify. This is an actual example. The bank told me this was an owner-occupied duplex and so my, remember I told you we do Google Earth, right? My Google Earth initial just kind of sweep showed this really cute duplex in Ohio. And then I zoomed out, right? Pay attention to the image date. I zoomed out and this is what I saw, right? The house had been, it was gone. And I realized that the street view image date was much earlier than the, than the satellite image view. As you can see, the concrete driveway is there, the concrete pathways are there and the concrete driveway, but there's no house. So trust, but verify. If something appears to not be right, usually it isn't, right? Okay, again, knowing your what is key and I know we're kind of running out of time here, so I'm gonna kind of go as fast as I can. You want to verify the number of bedrooms and bathrooms. For me, if I have to take possession of that property, I want to know that I can sell it quickly, right? So my preference is a minimum of three bedrooms, one bath. My rigid, absolute, positively minimum is two, one, right? Two bedrooms, one bathroom. I don't buy notes on assets that are one bedroom, one bath because they're harder to sell. I want to be in and out of my notes as quickly as possible right? Verify the square footage of the house. Same thing. My minimum is 880 square feet. I know that sounds ridiculous to those of us in California and even in Texas, but in the middle of the country, there are plenty of houses that are three bedroom, one bath, 880 square feet, right? So know, your, know, know what your what is. Verify the year built and the lot size, right? So year built, this becomes important because pre-1940, there was this thing called knob and tube wiring. 
knob and tube wiring, most of your borrowers, if you take uh, or most of your buyers, if you take possession of the property, are going to be very likely FHA type buyers. And FHA and VA and HUD will not loan on a property that has knob and tube wiring. So you want to make sure that you verify the year built and then um, you know, uh, um, if it and verify if it's pre-1940 that it doesn't have the knob and tube wiring because you will have to replace it. Okay. Verify the lot size, really important. Sometimes a house is built on two or three different lots. I've literally had notes come across my desk where the house is on three lots, but the note only covers two of the three lots. Verify the lot size becomes really important. Um, awesome. Thanks, Liz. Appreciate that. Okay. I'm going to keep going. And if we run out, just flag me. All right. County name and population. Again, I want a bigger buyer's pool. So I verify the county name that the asset is located and the population. The population, I don't do rural. I want a much bigger buyer's pool. So my county population requirement as my what is a minimum of 50,000 people, minimum, right? Because I don't, I want a bigger buyer's pool. So the, these things are things that you should be thinking about as note investors and real estate investors, everybody. Violence and property crime ratings. People don't wanna buy houses in war zones, right? So verify the county, or excuse me, the, the violence crime and the property crime ratings. And then you're going to ask the local expert about it because I can tell you Memphis, Tennessee, no matter what zip code you use to look up and verify um, crime will show off the charts. And there are some great areas in Memphis, great streets, great areas in Memphis. And then three streets over is, is a war zone. So ask your local expert right? Trust, but verify. Okay. Rents in the area, especially if you're going to be looking to acquire notes as a way to acquire buy and hold properties. You want to know what the rents are, right? And you want to know if that's going to be good for your bottom line and your ROI. So rents in the area, you want to know if that's your play. You also want to know as a note investor, because if rents in the area are less then your mortgage payment, then your borrower is not going to be motivated to stay in the home and work with you, right? But if rents are more, then the borrower is going to have an incentive to work with you to start paying your mortgage, right? That's where you create the cash flow. Again, comp sales, you want to make sure that you're comparing like for like. This is an art, everybody. If you don't know how to do it, um, there are available, many available resources to you, including some free ones. But you want to make sure that you're comparing, you're looking at the as-is value as the basis for your purchase price, not ARV, right? Fix and flippers base their purchase price on ARV, less a discount, less their rehab costs. You don't do that with note investing. You want to know the current market value and discount that from there. Okay, so make sure that your data inputs are the same. It's not going to do you any good to, to comp this home with this home, right? Or these homes. So like for like. More things to look for in terms of notes. 
while you're doing your due, right? The due diligence. In note investing, it is critical that you verify the chain of ownership from the loan originator all the way through to you as the note holder. Sometimes notes are sold several times. If you've ever bought a house and a month later gotten a letter that says, don't send your payment to us, send your payment over here, your servicer has changed or your new bank is, right? That means your note has been sold, but you need to verify that the chain of ownership is correct and complete and recorded in the order in the county from the loan originating bank to you, okay? All allonges are there. An allonge is a transfer of ownership for the note. It's an unrecorded document. Again, I don't have time to go into this. All assignments of mortgage are recorded in the county and recorded in order from the loan originating bank to you. This is a critical piece of your due diligence as a note investor, okay? Again, it's all about control, everybody. Due diligence gives you knowledge. Knowledge is power. Power offers you control. Control mitigates your risk, right? We all look, look at mitigating risk, and that leads to very profitable investing, right? So now we're going to talk about some case studies. Uh, again, Everybody, I'm hoping some light bulbs are going on for you because you can see that there's a tremendous amount of control as a note investor over your invested dollars. Not so with many other, um, not so with many other investment strategies. All right, I see some questions popping up. I'm going to get to them. I promise. So let's talk about some case studies. This is a property. Um, there's there's a couple different kinds of notes, like I said, that you can buy. One is a conventional mortgage that has been a, that has been originated by a bank. Another is called a contract for deed, also known as a land contract. Again, I don't have time to talk about it right now. I do talk about it at length at the workshop. This particular note was a contract for deed. The contract for deed, meaning I own in a contract for deed, you as the bank actually own the property. Your borrower has ownership interest in the property and you can't just sell it out from under him, right? Or her. But the borrower has ownership interest even though title is held by you as the bank. That's a contract for deed or a land contract, all right? So this is in Indiana, in Gary, Indiana. It was a contract for deed. The current market value was actually $90,000. Good due diligence, everybody, because the seller thought the current market value was $58,000. They were wrong, all right? I ended up buying this contract for deed, this non-performing contract for deed for $33,000 and change. The current market value, like I said, was $90,000. The seller thought the CMV, the current market value was $58,000. The reason for that is because two streets over, there were a couple of other properties, but it was a different zip code and it wasn't, it was actually three streets over. And, um, and, and this property was considered part of a lake community, all right? The property was already vacant. Again, this was near a lake community, very highly sought after area. That's why the seller missed. They didn't realize that it was worth so much, all right? We ended up taking this property to a version of foreclosure. It's called forfeiture. In a contract for deed situation, you don't necessarily have to go to foreclosure. You can go to forfeiture, which is, takes less time and less money, right? We ended up taking control of this property. 
inside the house, there was some mold that was growing. Um, we wanted to sell this house as is. I did not want to rehab this house. All right. So we wanted to sell it. We listed it. We were strategic. We listed it with our realtor for way less than current market value. We listed it for $79.9. We had nine offers on this property. We ended up selling it for $95,000. This process took less than a year. After closing costs, we had a profit of $54,000 and change, approximately 165% return on transaction. I use ROT because return on investment typically signifies a year. Return on transaction for this was less than a year. So 165% our JV partner ended up with 82 and 82% and change, right? Who likes to invest in real estate the way I invest in real estate? Now, if you wanted this property, you could have taken it to forfeiture action, taken control of the property, rehabbed it yourself, kept it as a buy and hold, whatever you want to do, right? There's a lot of power and a lot of control as a note investor, but you could also be strategic about your profitability and, and make profits like these. Now, does that happen every single day, everybody? No, I'm not going to promise you that, but it does happen, especially if you do good due diligence, all right? This property was a conventional mortgage in Boardman, Ohio. The borrower ended, ended up being angry that we, we, we had to foreclose on this property, unfortunately. The borrower played a lot of games. We had to foreclose. When she left, she left us some damage, all right? So the current market value of this property was $95,000. I liked the bones of this property and, and my partner, my JV partner was willing if we had to, to rehab it. So we did look up the ARV, the after repair value. After repair value in this property was 225, okay? All in for this, for this asset, we bought this note for $45,600 and, and $45, and that included our workout costs. So all in, right? The purchase price and our workout costs to take it to foreclosure auction was 45,000 and change. Our borrower would not give us a deed in lieu. Like I said, she played games. We ended up going back, going to foreclosure. We did not sell this property at foreclosure auction to third party. It came back to us. So now we own the house. The borrower left a ton of trash and a refrigerator full of rotten food right? So we had to do a trash out. We tried to sell the pro this property. We did the trash out. We tried to sell the property as is. We couldn't at the right price to be profitable. So we had to pivot. Remember, I told you my JV partner was willing to, to um, take some time and, and rehab this property. We ended up rehabbing this property. We had to build a garage. The garage had been torn down. So the rehab and the garage build cost us $67,000. We sold it for $179.9, even though the ARV was $225, everybody. That's what everybody said. But for some reason, we didn't end up with the $225. We ended up with $179.9. That's why we want to build in that big giant cushion, because if some reason we miss, we can still end up being profitable, right? So it took us a little extra time. Our net profit after our closing costs and paying taxes and blah, blah, blah was 52,000. We had a 47% return on transaction. Our JV partner's portion was 23.5%, not too shabby. Even though we were expecting a lot more, 
we still had a very, very, uh, you know, lucrative return, right? Now, again, we thought we were going to be able to exit this note shortly, you know, a lot shorter than we actually did. Here's our rehab. We we thought we were going to be able to do that. We couldn't, right? But in order, you know, in order to be profitable, we had to pivot. In note investing, you can do that. If you guys had a hard money loan on this, and was sit, your profit would go way out the window, right? In terms of fixing and flipping. So keep those things in mind. Last one, and then we go, we'll get to questions. This one is my favorite. Again, my goal is to work with my borrowers to stay in their home. I don't want their house. That's not my play. I want the cash flow, right? This is an owner-occupied property in, in single-family residence in Richmond, Kentucky, this borrower was squatting in their own home. It had been like six or seven years when I first bought this note. It had been six or seven years that they had not paid their mortgage. All in for this note was $49,000 and change. We acquired it in September of 2018. Shortly again, the borrower, uh, because of good due diligence, I knew that that borrower had been there um, since 1998 and I knew they were going to want to stay. Their legal collectible balance, that's LCB, was 95,000 and change. Their interest rate was off the charts at 10.99%. The husband had a medical condition and couldn't work for three years, which is why they fell behind. And they just figured they were gonna get foreclosed on, right? My loss mitigation team, remember I told you, I do due diligence upfront and then I pass it off to my team. My team of licensed debt collectors contacts the borrowers. I don't, okay? They contacted the borrowers. Sure enough, borrowers wanted to stay in the home. In March of 2019, we put a trial payment plan in place. They had to prove themselves for six months, right? So we, we did a trial payment plan before we converted it to a loan modification. For that privilege and willingness to work, they had to come up with a $1,000 fee, right? Which they did. Then they made, and then they paid, there's a called a success fee, right? So the loss mitigation team charges you a fee to get a borrower into a trial payment plan to a loan modification. My borrowers pay that fee. So they paid $708, which is $100 over their mortgage, what their mortgage payment was going to be. They paid, oops, $708. So we cash flowed for six months, 4,200 and change, right? Now, again, the trial payment plan money applies to the old loan. It doesn't attach to the new modification. So that's kind of like free money, everybody, right? We then, they were successful in their trial payment plan. We converted the loan modification in October of 2019. We rolled some arrearage. We forgave some debt. So their new principal balance of that loan, October 1st, 2019, was $87,500, and we reduced their interest rate to 8%. Then we extended the payment to 480 months, which is 40-year mortgage, everybody, 40 years to make the payment palatable to the borrower. If you add all that stuff up, that cash-on-cash return was first year 25.5%. I want to point out that as note investors, if you're looking for the cash flow, your biggest profit is your interest. So of that $608 that they are paying, the first two years, $580 of it is interest. That is pure profit in your pocket. 
right? So we created a win-win for everybody. I just sold this note two months ago. I just sold this note for almost 100% of the UPB. Now, the UPB is $87,500, right? Almost 100%. Less, you know, we cash flowed for a few years. So I think maybe the, the principal amount had been reduced by maybe $1,000. So $86,500. My all in was $49,000. And I created $5,200 upfront in the first six months. And then I cash flowed it at $608 a month for almost four years. Who likes to invest in real estate the way I invest in real estate? And by the way, no tenants and toilets. If the air conditioning breaks in this house, my borrower does not call me. I am the bank, not the landlord, right? So keep that in mind. So be smart, do your due diligence. There's so much more in due diligence. Now you've heard me talk about, you've heard me talk about the workshop. I will tell you, I used to do, I used to do three, then I reduced it down to two a year because I am an active note investor. This is what I, I do. My workshop is my give back. I like to teach people to do, to be financially free. I can only do one this year, one. So the building notes with work with wealth, yeah, building wealth with notes workshop, I got tongue tied there, is literally two days from now. Today is the last day to sign up, today because there's disclosures that need to be signed. I'm gonna teach you how to find notes, how to fund notes, what to do with them, all the due diligence steps. And by the way, I'm gonna give you my team. I'm gonna give you my team so you can be successful come Monday. It's three days, we are virtual, but it's live. You, will, you could start on Monday applying what you know and, and I'm gonna give you all the tools to be a successful note investor, okay? This is the only workshop this year. I'm, I have some seats available, just so you know, and I keep it small. I do that on purpose so you can, so I can answer your questions, all right? Normally, the three days is $6.97, but because you're here, $5.97, so I give you $100 off. And because you're part of Royal Legal, I'm going to also give you the recordings for free. This is the website to go to to register, cashflowchick.com forward slash friend. That, that will give you the link to pay only $5.97. And I will, again, give you the, the recordings for free. Okay? If you're not sure, again, this is the only workshop this year. It's the only one I have time to do. If you just want some free stuff, I'm happy to send you free stuff. Go to cashflowchick.com forward slash free or forward slash info. And I'm happy to send you a bunch of free stuff as well. All right. My contact information is here. I would love to hear from you if you have questions about notes, note investing, working together. Go to cashflowchick.com and book a 30-minute free appointment right on my website. Okay. All right. So I know that we have some questions. 